are listening to Prime Venture Partner podcast where we bring you impactful moments from the lives of entrepreneurs, new CXOs and investors who are playing a key role in building digital India. Hi everybody, this is Sanjay Swamy here with Prime Venture Partners. Uh and I have a very special guest today, Padma Pathasarthi. Uh, Padma leads consulting for Tech Mahindra globally and uh, has more than 25 years of experience in consulting, technology and process outsourcing, primarily in the financial services industry. Padma was recently uh, awarded or listed by Forbes magazine as one of the India Women Power List. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, so welcome to our show, Padma. Would be great if you could start a little bit with your background. Uh, you know, our audience here are largely entrepreneurs in the technology space, uh, and you have a very uh, colorful background across twenty-five years. Would love for them to hear your background and how you got into consulting and some of your life experiences. Sure, thank you, Sanjay. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, so my background is uh, okay. I had a very interesting childhood. I was born in Kerala and brought up in Goa, so love the sea. I miss that a lot in places like Bangalore. Uh, so I studied in uh, Goa, did my graduation there in physics and mathematics, uh, and then moved to I'm Ahmedabad for my MBA. Like I was telling you earlier, uh, I'm probably the least qualified person in my family with an MBA. Most of them are PhDs and things. Yeah. Lovely, yeah. So, so uh, about work, I started my uh, career with Citicorp Overseas Software in uh, Bombay. Uh, so very early on, I started specializing, I guess, more by accident than design in the financial services uh, BFSI space. So post that, I worked with organizations like HCL Pero Systems, with Capco, etc., where I continued that specialization in financial services. And then I joined Tech Mahindra in 2006, which is my first foray outside of the BFSI sector. And here I've been involved in uh, multiple areas. I mean, stumbling with strategic initiatives like the expansion we did into China earlier. And after the acquisition of Satyam, I did manage the integration of uh, Satyam and Tech Mahindra. Uh, I ran the uh, banking financial services vertical for a short while and led some of the uh, you know new initiatives which created this new line of business in Australia for superannuation. And now I head the consulting and digital business. Wonderful. Thank you. I'm sure it's been uh, quite an amazing journey. So along the way, you know, I mean, uh, it's great to see, you know, women rising to such uh, high positions here at, uh, at, at a firm like Tech Mahindra. But what were some of the things that you felt inherently as a woman, nothing was different between you and your other colleagues and things where, you know, you had to perhaps work harder in areas where you actually think you had an advantage? Sure, I think I was probably lucky. The people in the IT sector in the 80s, I think that was probably the most, um, you know, equal kind of uh, or less discrimination kind of sector that you could be in. And uh, so I think I was usually the only woman on a team, yes. But I didn't think that gender was really holding me back at that time. And people didn't really look upon me as different because of that. Yes, there were restrictions about, you know, how long you could work. And, you know, we those days you didn't have things like cars dropping you home. So we made our own way. But people were very, very supportive. So I remember bosses or colleagues dropping you home if it were very late, etc. But what I did notice, and I think the great thing about India, which um, I realized only when we went to the US, is that we didn't have differences between men and women in terms of pay. Mm. Uh, definitely at the entry level in the for the first 10 15 years of your career you don't see that perhaps later there are differences but i noticed that when i went to the us that women were getting paid less for instance and seemed to be treated far more differently than we felt in india so actually i was far more comfortable working in india than overseas 
Wow, that's really good to hear as well, right? I mean, it's it's not it's not one of those things that people talk about a lot. Sure. What do you think from your experience and from what you believe in? What do you think are some of the advantages women have over male colleagues when it comes to managing people, when it comes to coercing people to doing working harder and so on? What sure. are some of the things that you feel work better? I'm not sure actually because I think I mean I, I've always grown up with uh, men boys, so I used to play with my brothers as a young child, etc. I think yes, women do tend to multitask a lot. You can't really do multiple things at the same time; you have to do them sequentially. But I guess we're used to balancing multiple things. So so that's an advantage at work, especially in today's kind of lifestyle and work style. Perhaps more patient. I wouldn't say that about myself. But yes, women tend to be more patient. But otherwise, I think they, in terms of skills, in terms of, uh, you know, ability to do things, it's fairly equal. Uh, so I don't really see too much difference. At least in when I was talking to women about how they felt about work, etc. And what the, you know, challenges for them were. They talked about the fact that when they're in office, they do give it 100%. They don't get distracted by things like smoke breaks, etc. that often. This is again, perhaps 10 years ago, maybe today it's different. But, uh, and therefore, they, you know, they, whereas they were always being told that they were not putting in as many hours as the men or they weren't there working late, etc. And when you actually, you know, measured it, you find that they're probably doing the same amount, if not more. It's just that the perceptions are there because they're not in the office after six, six o'clock or whatever it is. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So make more use of the time that you're at the office and That's be right. more efficient. Come in uh, early, do stuff earlier. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Obviously, you've had several uh, years of experience and you know seen and worked with you know youngsters over the years and uh, seen how you know the work ethic and things like that has evolved. You've seen it in different parts of the world. A lot of our audience are young entrepreneurs uh, or people working in the startup ecosystem mm-hmm. and thinking of going off on their own. And as a consultant, you've had some entrepreneurial stints as well. It would be great if you could share a little bit about your experiences and what you think works. What do you think people who want to say, who are working in the tech industry, at, in, in the consulting industry, but want to venture into entrepreneurship, what they should look out for and, and vice versa, people who are in the software tech space, but want to get into consulting, how would life be different for them? Sure. So a couple of things. One is, I think... Understanding what your customer needs and wants rather than what your solution is doing. I think starting from the outside in is very, very important. You might have a brilliant idea, but if it doesn't have a customer for it, it doesn't have people interested in it, then it won't really succeed. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs tend to focus on their solution rather than the business problem that that their customers are facing. If you're building a product, experience is so important and being able to create that experience when you're even selling it. So the prototypes and things are so important. All of us have got very spoiled now with our own devices and the kind of experiences those give us. So all of us expect that from whatever we get around us now. So uh, being able to actually understand, again, the psyche of you know your end customer and designing things for them correctly is quite important, perhaps much, much more so now than it was maybe 10, 15 years ago. So those are, I think, two things. And the third is that uh, the fail fast, I think, is very, very important. Figure out what is working and what's not quickly so that you can adapt. And adaptability is so critical, again, to be able to change and not be stuck with what you have been doing uh, so far, but adapt to what the market requires. So obviously, one of the challenges for a lot of consulting are that, you know, ultimately, you're not building for the customer, but you're building for the customer's customer. Exactly. Right? Even when it's a customer-facing Absolutely. product. 
how challenging is that for engineers, especially if they're sitting in a different geography trying to build for customer of a company that is in the US, for example, and you're sitting and your team is sitting here in India. And what are the best practices to try to overcome some of those? Oh, absolutely. I think in the past, we were very, very removed from end customers because in India, you would be developing software, which went to, you know, somebody else probably in the IT and went to the business and then finally to an end customer. So we we typically depended on requirements that came from the customer to develop whatever we needed to. Today, we have a lot more access. One, there is obviously the, the travel and things that is there. But more importantly, I think we have a lot more access to getting information. So I remember when one of the, our teams internally, we had challenged them to do kind of design thinking or at least understand end customer requirements. They Because they couldn't talk to the end customers, they went online. They found things like customer forums where, you know, people were, you know, uh, the end customers had listed complaints about the products that they had from this uh, client of ours. And through that, they were able to say, this is how we should address it. So I think there are now creative ways of actually identifying the needs of those end customers. So definitely research, um, both secondary as well as primary research, you can actually reach out to end customers also now. So that's amazing, right? Because I think certainly, you know, and this is a huge industry that India has uh, built, you know, from the likes of the Infosys and the Wipro's and the uh, TCS's and uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Technomandra and companies like this. I think the first generation, the perception was at least that it was mostly sort of the overseas customer defines the requirements and the India team yes. probably has to implement it. Mm-hmm. But now we are saying that a lot of the thinking behind the solution is also being sort of co-created between the customer and the the consulting service. Oh, absolutely. And even the kind of problem statements we're getting now are quite different. So in the past, they would say implement SFDC for me, you know, or implement an ERP for me. But the, the problem statements that are coming to us today are, I have a negative net promoter score. Can you help me improve it? Hmm. Uh, I want to grow my trucking business Forex for a logistics company. And how will digital help me to do that? So, now you have to get a lot more involved in the customer's business and understand it in order to, you know, create or craft a solution. It's not the customer telling you this is what I want. Right. And also because technology is changing so fast and, yes. you know, customer expectations are changing so fast, I guess you don't have this sequential, uh, you know, building opportunity, right? It's uh, That's right. Great. And I guess the way software is developed also now in this whole agile, iterative fashion, etc. Right. Yeah. So... That means that people who are in the consulting industry here in India are actually being exposed more and more to the state of the art end customer experience as well. And in some ways, some of those experiences are very applicable for the startup ecosystem here or the technology ecosystem here as well. If, if they wanted to sort of, you know, uh, work in a startup or, or build a product or do their own startup, for example, Correct. the exposure is already much better. Yes, absolutely. And also, I think the great thing is that India now with all of the digital initiatives that have taken place in India, we are actually far ahead in some of the things. So one of our customers in the telecom space uh, was actually saying that, uh, you know, when they were they were asking for ideas from our teams and our teams said, oh, in India, we do it this way. We can get a you know connection activated in less than a day. How come you take three days to do it? Mm. So I think with the work that people like you have done, I think on digital India, uh, we've seen, a, we believe leapfrog quite a bit. So I, so our experiences here and our work here is now being used as examples of what can be done differently in other markets. Wow. That's, that's great because mm-hmm. 
I, I think you're saying that the exposure that our teams have got here in some cases is way ahead of where the the rest of the uh, absolutely other yeah because you, now you can have a SIM card activated in about half an hour or something in India, right? Right. Which right. they haven't been able to do in other markets that easily. That's that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. So on on this topic, you know, we have Aadhaar and India Stack, and you know, UPI is a payment uh, real time interbank payment system, which pretty much still has not been copied in any other part of the world, and. True. Uh, you know, Google wrote this uh, letter to the Fed suggesting that you know, they should try to implement something similar to UPI in, in the US. Yeah. And given your banking, uh, you know, BFSI experience, are you seeing other markets also trying to replicate this whole, you know, digital uh, framework that we have in India, similar to India Stack for, you know, customer onboarding, KYC, you know, instant you know, account opening and things like that? So there is interest. I have not seen anybody, I think, adopt it fully, probably because they have a lot of legacy. I think the great thing about India is we didn't have too much legacy in these areas. We could build from scratch and we could build state-of-the-art upfront. But yes, there is a lot of interest. I mean, there are telcos, there are banks that are asking how these things work in India and what they can replicate, but probably not the full stack as we see it here. Right. No, no. And we're seeing a lot of interest also because literally governments and countries are looking at what's happening in exactly. India. Uh, especially in the emerging economies, right? So if you look at several countries in Africa, you know, things like that, where they're saying, you know, maybe we don't have to go through all the evolution and we can straight away leapfrog. Correct. Uh, so yeah, mobile payments, for instance, has become a big thing in Africa, the Middle East areas, right? Uh, so Conviva, which is one of our group companies, does a lot of business in uh, peer-to-peer payments in that region. Uh, and that platform has been extremely successful uh, in doing a lot of this flow in that. So yes, I think these markets have had access to faster technology and much cheaper also for, for them obviously to access. Yeah. So, um, you know, your career has been sort of a, a storied career, right? And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of hard work that has gone into it, perhaps some serendipity and you know, some other uh, things as well. But of course, you know, sometimes the harder you work, the luckier you get, as they say. But I'm sure there's a lot of perhaps planning and, you know, inflection moments inflection mm-hmm. points in your career what do you advise youngsters right and it doesn't matter whether they're working in consulting or in technology company startups or what have you they're building their careers over a period of time what are your say top three uh, pieces of advice to all youngsters and, and then of course any additional things you would say for women sure so yes i think don't look back too much i mean so you made a decision move on with it uh, i guess when i was uh, in coastal one of the logical things for me to have done was probably to go overseas and join City, which is what a lot of my colleagues had done. And yes, that would have given me probably very good growth. Uh, but I took the decision to stay on in India and work in different uh, areas. In fact, leave the company at that time. Uh, so that took me on a different trajectory. Is it better or worse? I don't know. But I've made that decision. I think I shouldn't really look back and regret uh, things too much and you know move forward. So that's, that's one advice. So don't rethink these things too many times. Uh, second is... Uh, you know, work hard. A lot of times people, I think, expect to get a position, get a title, etc. when they're coming into an organization. What they don't realize is once they come in and start working, good people get things handed to them. So if you're working hard, you automatically will get more responsibility. You will automatically actually grow. So it may not happen when you first enter the company. So don't be too hit up about titles and positions and things like that when you start off, especially in the beginning of your career. Uh, those things will come as you work. And I think it's very important to be part of a team because everything right now actually works a lot on collaboration. 
so the ability to work with others and you know uh, work at different paces depending on whom you're working with is quite important no that's very interesting because i think the the part about you know come in you know if you like the team like the leadership like the company start working do great work and good opportunities will keep opening up yeah. to people who are already in the company so one of the things that uh, i have seen at least and uh, uh has bothered me from time to time in india is obviously there is a lot of opportunity mm-hmm. and so uh, a lot of the growth comes by switching from one company to another which means you interview very very well but it doesn't mean that you're great at what you do because you know after you work if you're if you're not getting promoted and getting more responsibility and i think uh, obviously you know you can't uh, stop people from leaving because they're getting great mm-hmm. opportunities potentially with huge uh, you know salary increments but people are probably missing out on this you know growth path within the company and seeing Absolutely. the company grow uh, so what advice would you give people like when should they say well you know I sh- this is a good opportunity for me to leave versus stay here because good things are likely to happen here right what are the two three metrics they should be looking at when they're making these decisions because the opportunities will keep coming sure sure so i guess the growth i mean what kind of growth do you have how much will you learn because i think that's very very important to today's world you have to keep learning so is that new job going to give you an opportunity to learn something new learn something different and yeah so opportunity and grow uh, learning i guess those are the two uh, things that i would look at in these things the other thing actually i wanted to add one more thing to the advice stay technical as long as you can because i think the ability to especially in the it field to understand technology and to you know develop grow with it is very important the management skills you will pick up over time uh, so don't get het up about again you know having a management job so to speak in managing teams and things that will come but stay technical as long as possible and moving ahead you know just actually on that point right stay technical for as long as you can uh, management skills will come technology also is changing a lot of course right? so how does one sort of uh, devote some share of their uh, time Uh, and in in the repeat ends of the personal time to stay abreast with technology of course there's a lot of online uh, opportunities and so Correct. on but how significant and important is it and oh hugely important be? because i think the ability to be able to understand uh, you know uh, and apply new things to what you do is so important and i, I you know look at it and you know probably as you managing businesses to be able to decide what things would be relevant for your business going forward is so important so yes reading blogs of people who are at the forefront of these things is probably the quickest way to start uh, but then going doing the more deeper courses is also important but i think the advantage now is that you can learn anytime anywhere where earlier you had to go to a classroom and attend a you know course on these things whereas today you can learn in your house uh, and like you said on your own time wherever on your you know phone etc also you can download some of these things and, and and learn so that advantage is there today there's also this huge i guess a plethora of uh, things available so trying to decide and prioritize which you should learn and which you you know you can you can do with a, a basic level that's also quite important so organizations like ours have tried to curate some of that content and say okay this is probably what you should be doing at this level etc uh, so we're lucky maybe in that sense to have somebody have you know do that research and provide it to us but yes otherwise i think the uh, the ability to choose the topics uh, wisely and decide what you need to learn is quite important and lastly you know in the whole uh, data revolution that's happening and you know ai and it's fundamentally transforming how people think about solving you know technology problems or or people now can 
attempt to solve fairly audacious problems that were impossible to solve because yes. uh, of the new methodologies and cloud computing and things like that. What is your advice to youngsters around these areas, right? Especially those who may not be both that you have the technologists and you have the non-technologists, Correct. right? Uh, how significant an impact is this going to have over the next 10, 15 years for people who are in the mainstream? I think it is, I mean, it is important to know these areas. And I think now actually there's an interesting change that's happening. You don't require only uh, technology or only soft skills. You need this combination of both, right? Because you might have data, but to be able to understand the data and to interpret it correctly, you need to understand data science. You also need to understand psychology to some extent, Mm -hmm. especially when you're dealing with retail markets or retail consumers, etc., So that combination is quite important. Similarly, you can't just develop software. You have to have the design and creative element as well. So I think the the people now have to bridge these uh, two areas that were seen as completely different and the right and left brain, so to speak, have to come together a little bit more. Uh, So it's good to see um, schools also encouraging both things now in children. So they're not sent to only one course or one stream. So it's not just science or technology. It is science, technology, and maybe arts as well. So STEAM is probably what is going yeah. to <laughs> come out now. Yeah. yeah, because I think, you know, our generations were probably focused on being much more, yes. I would say, uh, yes. uh, and you know, more focused on, on, on STEM. And then right brain was either not really appreciated or not, uh, probably not understood very well, but now it's becoming very important. Yeah, it was and, seen as a good hobby to have rather yes, than uh, what you would have. requirement. And then now you're saying they, they actually are both very important, the skills uh, from both. and. Obviously, you will have specialists on on either side, and you will. Uh, but we are saying there's enough opportunity for people who can develop both sides. There's a need at least to appreciate the other side and to be able to, you know, at least access the right skills on the other side as well. Right. Yeah. So while you might be a more creative or person who understands psychology and uh, things like that, you need to be able to, uh, you know, find the right person who can give you the data and the interpretation of that to feed that correctly, right? Right. Mm. So when you're building a team, right, just to uh, double click a little on this this yeah. last piece, when you're building the team, how easy or difficult is it to, to pull together sort of a well-rounded team, right? Because especially in a startup uh, where you have a small team and yeah. I mean, large companies also, you end up having small team and you don't yeah. have infinite resources. Sure. So, you know, where, what's the balance and how does one come up with the balance based on... Uh, yes, yeah, so you have to look at which people have what skills and kind of, uh, like you said, balance it out. Uh, so there is that requirement for having the right experience design uh, kind of skills. It depends on what you're building also. If you're building an app which is going to be used by uh, end consumer, yes, you would need to do that. If you're building a backend system, you know, uh, this thing, then probably you're focused more on technology and architecture rather than the front-end experience. But, and the other part now, of course, while you talk about agile teams and things like that, and you know, but you do still need to have that program project management uh, skills, and not everybody has those skills. So that's also important to build and you know get people trained on you know how to keep track of deadlines and uh, and work. Uh, so agile is probably all very well uh, in an experimentation first, and it works very well even in commercial situations, so long as somebody's keeping track of these things as well. And and uh, do you feel we're getting better at things, at all of these things, or you know, I mean, with progress, you know, new problems come about, right? But from a customer perspective, is the transparency, visibility, you know, and predictability of uh, projects being done in a certain time frame with a certain budget, is it getting better? I'm not sure because there, I think there are enough digital, uh, you know, projects that have failed. 
precisely because they haven't understood the external requirement or they've tried to build something too esoteric, etc. Uh, one thing though, there is a lot more focus on things that are going to work or at least uh, where the end customer is going to get a benefit. And what's also happened is now everybody's doing technology, right? So it's not only the CIO or CTO kind of realm, which means that you do have pockets of things getting developed on their own, which may not be maintainable or, you know, uh, done right or architected right, etc. So I think that we, you keep having to, you, you go a few steps in one direction and then you'll kind of uh, rein back a little, make sure it all fits together correctly and is able to, you know, right. The, the CIO team, you know, is able to take charge but, of it and maintain it. But we're it. probably also able to do a lot more iterations faster, absolutely, a lot shorter absolutely. Uh, development cycles, and test yeah. something out before actually doubling down on it. Uh, absolutely, and then I think the ability to access uh, things, information, data, consumers, suppliers, everything is a lot easier in today's world, right? The access, there's so much more access that is enabled. Right. Great. Any uh, last pieces of advice that you have for uh, youngsters and entrepreneurs? Sure. So I think for the women entrepreneurs we were talking about, Mm -hmm. this is something that I think women everywhere, not just as entrepreneurs, but also in corporate jobs, we don't ask for help very easily. Mm. Uh, We hesitate to ask other people for uh, things that we might need. Uh, I think the men do it a lot more easily. They do network a lot uh, easier and they connect with other people a lot more easy for these kind of things. We do connect, but it's typically for uh, not necessarily for work. Um, so just wanted to tell the women out there, do take help. I know I used to hesitate too until I realized that when people reached out to me, even if I hadn't spoken to them for five years or 10 years, when they reached out, I was helping them. So I realized that they probably will do the same for me if I reach out. So there's no harm in, you know, asking for help from somebody else if they have the access to provide you something. And most people have been more than forthcoming in providing that help. So do reach out and, and take the help and, uh, and, you know, it's not a sign make the art. Yes. Asking for help. Absolutely. So take advantage of the network that you have. Yeah, well, yeah. that's actually great advice for all of us. Uh, I've also recently had some experiences where, uh, you know, one of our companies was having, you know, sudden explosion of growth in uh, Southeast Asia for no apparent reason. And they wanted to talk to someone who knew the, the market space. And I just put a post out on Twitter saying, you know, hey, can does anybody understand this market well? Yeah. The number of people who reached out and said, you know, wow, you know, happy to help, you know, let us know yeah. uh, how we can. It was really an eye-opening thing to me where people actually are really helpful and all we have to do is ask. Yes. And whether it's women or I think for all of us, uh, you know, I think people are always happy to share and being helpful, I guess, is, uh, is a two-way street. Sure. So, Padma, thank you so much. I know uh, we, we tried to do this at very short notice and I really appreciate your making the time. Thank you so much for coming. Here. Thank you, Sanjay. Dear listeners, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Prime Venture Partners Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to this show so that you can stay updated with great conversations like these. You can share your feedback at our Twitter handle at the rate PrimeVP underscore in or leave your review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show from. 